Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the, the lead pastor here. And we are turning the corner as we're wrapping up this series called Momentum. And we're looking at key uh, rhythms and practices that we can apply to our life to build momentum spiritually. Uh, we can grow in our relationship with God. And we're looking at this like twofold. How do we do that as individuals as we kick off this new year? What are the things that we need to uh, be committed to for the first time or maybe recommit to? And then how do we do this as a church? That is, as we're individually committing these things, how does God bring us together uh, to build momentum in our church? And this series is all about really focusing on the things that really matter and the things that God has given us to do again and again. And although they're repeated, uh, God uses them in a unique way at every season we're in. And I just want to recap the things that we've looked at. Uh, you can always catch up. If you've missed a sermon, you can always catch up on our YouTube page. Just search for Ridgeview Church Fontana. We also have a podcast of the sermons every week uh, that you can listen to uh, as well. Just search the same thing, Ridgeview Church Fontana, and you can catch up. But here's just where we've kind of covered so far. Uh, we talked about the first week of just the things that we do on a repeated basis. And the first is just his people uh, worshiping together. There's a certain a momentum that we have when we gather just like we're doing right now. We come on a Sunday, we interact with each other, we sing songs that remind us of who God is, we get into God's word, it gives us this truth for which we can be guided forward. And there's something about the Sunday gathering, although it keeps coming every week, it's a priority that we continue to have to make. And so we talked about that builds momentum for us, just being a part of church. Uh, the second week, we talked about how to move beyond just this attendance of church to actually serving and how serving together and using how God has made you specifically can help you grow. Uh, when you become a Christian, the Bible tells us that everyone receives a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift is actually used to build up the church. It's not something for yourself. It's actually others and church-centered. And so as a church, we have this stewardship. How do we take all of these people that God brings to build them up into this church where each person is doing their own part? And when you do your own part, and not someone else's part, uh, you really do grow. And so we talked about that. Last week, we talked about a step further of commitment to church and what it means to formally decide to commit to the local church. Here at Ridgeview, we have church membership. And the preview class that Pablo mentioned is actually the first step in our membership process of exploring Ridgeview. And you get a preview of who we are and where we're headed. And the goal is, is for you to continue to take these steps of commitment to being a part of connecting and contributing to the kingdom of God here in our area. And so it's not too late. You can attend that preview class. We'd love to have you. We're uh, putting packets and chairs for even people that have not signed up yet. And so that if that's you, uh, let us know on your connection card. You can show up at 1230 at the church office. The details are in the program. And so those, those practices and those principles we've looked at. Today we're talking about something which is as important but something that kind of is most of the time has maybe baggage or there, there's a lot of things that kind of come to our mind. And that's the idea of how do we share our faith with others? So as we're talking about spiritual momentum, we're talking about this gathering coming together on a Sunday. We're talking about serving, what it means to participate in service to each other. Then we're talking about this commitment of loving each other in a certain way. And you could see that all of these are very like church built focused. And maybe, if you will, like inward, it's what we do and the practices that we do as a church. But there's this as important practice that is outward focus that actually brings it all together. And that idea is like we grow as a church as we continue individually and being committed as a body of Christ to sharing our faith with others. 
Now, when you hear that idea of sharing your faith with others, uh, you may get a little bit of just this nervousness in you. Like, well, what, what does that mean? How do I even share something of that nature that seems so uh, personal and so private? How would I do that? You, you might even think you, you'd look like this person. Anyone have this image? Like, as soon as you say, share my faith, it's like I've got my little picket sign out and I'm, repent, repent, there's hell, there's hell. And this is sometimes the vision that we have. Here at Ridgeview, this isn't the vision that we believe uh, is our best vision as a church. Now, some people can do this and God uses them. And it's not them, it's, it's what God does. But for us as a church, I wanna just kind of unpack our strategy. And our strategy as a church is to continue to invest and invite. It's a relational process that I'm gonna get into. Like really, how do we practically move beyond the image that we have in our head that can conjure up just fear or unknown or confusion to playing my role with the people that God has placed in my life for me to share the hope of Jesus. And so I hope today this will give you a vision for how God has supernaturally placed you in a unique place in your life with unique people, with your unique story that God can use to help people. Just as you've been helped and God's used people in your life, God wants to use you in the lives of others. But to get beyond this image and maybe other barriers, we have to talk about some of the obstacles. And so I want to ask kind of this questions and, or question and maybe an assumption. And it's this, is most Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, you struggle to share your faith. Do you agree with that statement? Do you think that most Christians struggle to share their faith? What would you say? Yes, no, yes, okay. Another way to ask it is, do I struggle? You know, personalize it. If multiple people personalize it and the answer is yes, I struggle, then as you look around the room, you can find like that's a common struggle. So I think we could agree, and hopefully if you don't fully agree, you can at least see, okay, this is something that maybe we, we have to look at, we have to focus on. The, the last word there, why, is important. That is, if this is a struggle, then why is that the case? So I just want you to think about that for a moment, maybe for your own life to personalize it. If it's a struggle for you, if you're a follower of Christ and Jesus has changed your life, why is it a struggle for you to share that with others? So just think about that. Probably a word's come to your mind. What are some of those things? What came to your mind as you think about the struggle? Yell it out. Uncomfortable. Rejection. Confrontation. What's that? Yeah, like what, what to do, how to do it. Yeah. Intimidation. Yeah, as you, as you share these, all of these are, are rooted into just this, this emotion, this feeling, really a sense of we don't know what will happen. There's a risk. And I want to talk about that risk because that risk is real. But sometimes what happens, especially as we look to, to growth and spiritual growth, spiritual growth does not happen without risk. You're going to have to give up something to grow. Uh, years ago, I came across this illustration of how to grow spiritually. This is from the Navigators, which started in World War II reaching the military. And this group really helped people come to Christ, specifically men, and taught them how to 
practically walk with God. And this illustration they came up to, and the idea is like, how do you build forward momentum? And it's called the wheel, the idea of like moving forward. And it's this obedient Christian in action. That's how you make progress. That's kind of what we're talking about in this series. But you'll notice there's, there's two uh, vertical spokes and two horizontal spokes, like four-spoke wheel. And the two vertical are speaking of like my relationship with God, how I grow. And if you could see, what are the two things? Can you see it? You have to turn your head sideways a little bit. Word and prayer. That is getting into God's word for myself, letting God speak to me on the truth that he has revealed in scriptures. That's how I grow. God speaks to me personally. That's how you grow. And then prayer, I communicate with God. That is, I bring him into all that I'm facing and in my world, and I want to see his perspective on things, not just from his word, but I kind of unload what I'm facing and I'm talking to him about these things, this conversation, this relationship. That's, that's the vertical. Now, the horizontal, so far in this series, we've been talking about this fellowship, the commitments that we make to one another as a church that helps us build momentum. But you'll notice that left spoke is the word witnessing. Now, if you grew up in the church, anyone heard that word before? We're gonna go witnessing and you're like, I'm gonna skip that day. <laughs> the idea of witnessing, maybe you even have a like, familiar with like Jehovah Witnesses. I remember when we were first starting to get the word out for Ridgeview and we were doing surveys and the Jehovah Witnesses beat us to the doors every time. They'd start early and often. And so the idea of witness is like you're knocking on a door that you don't know and you don't know what's gonna happen. There's just fear. Well, the idea of witness is really the, like, the principle of, of testifying. And you're testifying of a good message. Now, for us as Christians, our message is different than that of Jehovah Witnesses. We're preaching Jesus crucified, raised again, the one true God who connects us back to him. That's the gospel. And so when you're a witness as a Christian, it's not necessarily a certain practice that you do in a certain way. It's the idea of like, I have a message that God has given me to share. And I testify to that, if you will. I'm going to give a testimony of what he's done. That's this idea of, of witnessing. Things that I've seen and the things that I've heard and the things that I've experienced, I will share with others. Now, all of these things that I've mentioned can be summed up uh, in a few things. And so some of the barriers we've talked about that you've already mentioned is there's fear, there's rejection, Faith is private or taboo. It's like you don't talk about those things. Well, to challenge that, Christianity is very personal. It's always relational, but it's not private. That's why baptism, we practice and celebrate baptism by immersion. It's not private in your home. It's public. We do that. It's connected to this. It's personal, but it's not private. The same with our faith. It's personal, but it's not private. It's supposed to be shared then there's a confusion on how to share. And then I think the final barrier for a lot of us, and this is easy to experience, is that there's just not a whole lot of non-Christians we know. Now, depending on your experience, this could be true, or you could be like, are you kidding me? They're all around me. Now, the language I'm using is a little bit of us and them, and so I realize if you're a non-Christian today, you're getting a little bit of an insider view of the Christian faith. But know that this is coming from this place of we're not seeing people as just these projects, but really these supernatural opportunities that God has placed us in the lives of others to make a difference, to share the hope that we have to people who are longing for hope. And so if you're not yet a follower of Christ and you're investigating and you're, you're wrestling, I, I hope this actually gives you a sense of the call of the Christian life. 
That is to know Christ, to know him personally, and to make him known. That's the vision that he has. It's we know him. We live for him. He changes us, and then we share that with others. That's the core, knowing God and making him known. I want to introduce a key strategy that's connected to this, that Pablo mentions kind of even back at our back table, the the investing and inviting. That's the key strategy that we have at our church. This is the practical way that we are a witness, is we are always constantly investing and inviting in others. That of investment is I see people as made in the image of God with tremendous potential, but without Christ being tremendously lost. And we see people knowing that in their hurt and in their brokenness, God could use me to make an investment to lead them back to the living hope in Jesus. So investing actually gives tremendous value to the relationships that we have. That's why people are not projects. People are people made in the image of God, loved by him, but disconnected because of sin, broken because of rebellion. But through Christ, they can be restored back to their creator. So that investment is how does God want to use me as somebody who can share that message of hope? And then the inviting. Part of being an invested person is I'm inviting for people to experience Jesus. Now I want to ask you, if you're a Christian today, there was somebody in your life that extended an invitation for you to experience Jesus. If you grew up with Christian parents, it could be your parents that invited you, and maybe it wasn't always an invitation, like you will get in the car, you will put on your good shoes, and you're going to like it. But even that, your parents making a decision to move into the, the way of the church was a part of God getting a hold of your life. And so your parents, he used to help you. It could have been a friend that invited you to church, to youth group, to a camp, all sorts of stories. Think about how God used those people to extend an invitation that changed your life. If you think about invitations, most of life's most meaningful invitations are preceded or experiences are preceded by an invitation. Something that you're invited to experience and participate that changes you. Some of you know my own story. I was called into ministry at the age of 16. I finished my junior year of high school, and a Christian band invited me to go on tour with them. Was I on top of the world? I was a drummer. It was like the most important thing in my life was music, and I got invited to go on this tour, and I thought, I'll finish high school after the summer, and then I'll go on tour, and then for the rest of my life, I'll just tour, you know, like figure it out. That's what you do. And I was invited, and I flew to Missouri with a suitcase and 12 cases of drums by myself at the age of 16. And what I thought was going to begin my rock and roll career changed in an instant because it was an invitation that God invited me on, but it wasn't about a band. It was about my life. And in that moment, God said, like, you're giving me your plans and you want me to rubber stamp them, but I have plans for you. And at that moment, I remember God telling me, says, Alex, wherever you go and whatever you do, I want you to serve me. It was at that moment that I decided, like, I'm going to surrender my will, my goals, my life to him. And I had the sense at that moment that God was calling me into the ministry because that was the thing that people had seen. Like, I could see you doing this, and it was like, I do not want to do that. And at that moment, at that surrender, my sense from God is like, and that is the thing that you will do. And that changed my life, that invitation. 
Other invitations have been meaningful and changed my life. On July 31st, 2001, I invited my girlfriend, Samantha, to marry me. And she said, yes. Spoiler alert. (laughs) That changed the trajectory of our lives. She said, no, I, I probably wouldn't be here. God used the weaving of our lives together. On July 1st of 2006, I was invited to to leave my career as a teacher to become full-time pastoral staff at the church that we were part of. Changed the trajectory of my life. These are all invitations. And God uses invitations, again, to give us an experience that can change where we're headed and who we are. And it's the same with people. You never know how God can use an invitation from you to make a difference in someone else. And so that's what investing and inviting is all about. God has placed me in my life with unique circles of relationships that God can use me in a unique way to reach people. And I believe that. And for me as a pastor, as I've been praying about this year, I think this area for our church is the most important. It's for us to have a commitment to invest and to invite. And so on the front end, I want to ask you to consider, and this is a prayer that I have, and my prayer is that God will raise up 50 people, a part of our church, that will invest and invite in just one person this year. And this sermon is about what that looks like. So before you say, I'm willing to do that, just wait. But this isn't, again, asking you to do anything that you're not supposed to do as a Christian, but it is a commitment that you have to make. Like, I want my life to count for the gospel, and I'm willing to share with others. So what I'm asking God to do is for him to raise up 50 who can invest and invite in at least one. And if you think about that, that's 50 people who have somebody that's praying for them and loving them and serving them and sharing with them about Jesus. What could God do with 50 people who do that? I believe for our church, this is a tremendous opportunity for us to continue to grow and share with people who don't know Christ. That's why we exist. Our mission is inviting people to experience refreshing life in Christ. And I believe there's people here that God has placed in your life that you could be a part of that invitation. So I want you to consider this. But as I dig in today, I wanna just talk about what it means, how to invest and to invite. And I wanna use one passage today. And this scripture that I'm going to read is the most helpful for me over the years of what it means for me to be somebody who shares my faith with others. So back, if you will, what does it mean to be a witness? And this passage I'm going to read is from the Apostle Paul. We read a lot from him. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He, somebody who opposed Christianity, came against Christians, was a part of persecuting the early church, and God got a hold of him. Talk about an invitation. He was going to Damascus. God blinded him, and he just had no sense of his future, and it was like this perfect symbolism of just being lost. Somebody who had it all together and realizing that he was completely lost, and God got a hold of him in his life, saved him, and he became a follower of Jesus. So as I read this, think about somebody who had full competence in the Jewish tradition, was like a religious leader, had it all together and had it all taken away and he came to Christ realizing that all of his achievements and everything he had done was in vain because he had no purpose. So as he writes this, he's talking about somebody who's had an invitation himself. 
to turn from his, his own selfishness, his own way, and, and turn to the living God through Christ. And he's in prison. And think about that as well as he shares this. So this is Colossians chapter four, verse two. And it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. If you think about this, and I'm not gonna spend a ton of time here, but think about what he's praying for people to declare the mystery of Christ for which he's what? In prison. Think about how important this is. I want people to be able to share the very thing that's landed me behind bars. Pretty incredible. Verse five says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. These are people that, they don't, they don't know the Lord, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So I want to just unpack this. Uh, what does this mean? Well, Paul gives really two key concepts and then kind of unpacks three specifics for each one. So there's like six ideas working in this passage. But the two key concepts, to invest and invite, I want you to think this. It's always to pray and to engage. That is, that there's this interaction, if you will, a supernatural interaction of my life intersecting with the lives of others. So this is one of the things that gets me so excited about this area. While it can be filled with fear and the unknown, this is one of those areas where you can see God work in real time in a supernatural way. The intersection of one life to another life. And so I want to talk first about this, this idea of, of praying. And Paul mentions three types of prayers. So if you want to invest and invite in others, and you want to be, yes, I want to commit to doing this, then it starts with, with prayer. So another way to say that is if, if you want to grow your prayer life, begin to share your faith with others. That will grow your prayer life, or it should. That's what Paul's saying. So the first prayer is pray for opportunities to talk about Jesus. This is the most important aspect of sharing Christ with others is you do not have to fabricate and force this. God will do that. God does the heavy lifting. Amen? When we think of this, sometimes it's like we have to force it. And what am I gonna have to do? Actually, you just have to do what in response to what God's doing. That's actually the faith. It's like God's doing something and I respond to it. I'm watching, I'm, I'm alert. And that's what Paul says in his prayer. He says, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. So the first prayer is, God, will you open an opportunity? So I want you just very practically think of somebody, if you're a follower of Christ, think of somebody in your life that you know right now that doesn't know Jesus. It could be a sibling, it could be a parent, it could be a child. It could be a neighbor, it could be a coworker, it could be a friend. But think about that person. And this prayer is, God, as this person, as I interact with them, will you open a door for an opportunity for me to share? That's what you're praying. When Paul says the word, he's speaking about the truth of the gospel, the fact that we are sinners, fallen short of the glory of God, worthy of death because of our rebellion. But because of Christ's coming and taking on the penalty of sin, taking on that death sentence and paying the price for it, we're relieved of that debt. We're relieved of that payment. We are free 
because of what Christ has done. So he's speaking of this word. It's the fact that you can be saved. That's why it's good news. You're not condemned any longer. And so when Paul is saying is like that God will open a door for the word to share what life is all about. Sinners in the hands of a angry, but at the same time loving God. Because he's holy, he's angry at sin, but out of his love, he sent his son to take that penalty. And so for me, Oftentimes the prayer, it just looks like this. God, will you please provide an opportunity for me to share with somebody today? And there's days where I pray that and there's days that I don't. But it's very interesting. When I pray that, God's always up to something. And there's times when I don't pray that, God is up to something. But when I do pray it, I'm alert to it. It's just a simple prayer. God, just please provide an opportunity for me to share with someone today. That's what Paul's saying. Pray for opportunities to talk about Jesus. God does the heavy lifting. The second is pray that we'll buy up the opportunity to share when God opens the door. So the idea is, God, will you provide an opportunity? And the second prayer is, when that opportunity comes, help me to not find the back exit, to not run away from the door that you're opening. And he says that God may open us a door for the word and specifically to declare the mystery of Christ. So as I'm praying for an opportunity to share God will open up this window of time for you to be able to declare the mystery. It's this idea of Christ coming, despite us being sinners and him perfect. He came and he died for us and he loves us and he brought us back to the one who made us. The mystery that even though we're sinners, we can be forgiven because of what God's done on our behalf. So this picture of do we believe that God is powerful enough and almighty enough that he can actually open the very door that we ask him to. Then the second prayer is, God, help me not to run away when you open it, to give me this courage to share the mystery of Christ. And oftentimes for me, as I'm praying for opportunities, the door opens and people begin to ask me questions. Now I'm a pastor. One of the easiest questions people ask is, what do you do for a living? And I just smile. And I'm thinking, are you ready? Because they're actually going to recount everything that they've told me before they find this out. And then we have a little confessional, right? But for, for the, the rest of you if, you, if you're not a pastor, it's like, well, well, sometimes it's like, what did you do this weekend? There's always an opportunity. There's a door. Well, what did you do? You spent part of your day at church. There's always an opportunity. You could have interacted with somebody at your church. There's just these, these things that, that people ask How do you deal with stress? How do you have peace? People ask all sorts of things when you're praying these things that God's just praying. Here's a door. There's a door that's open. There's a door that's open. And the idea is like when the door is open, help me to declare, to identify with Christ, to not just be general and vague, but to be specific. So pray for opportunities to talk about Jesus. Pray that we'll buy up the opportunity when he brings it. And then the third prayer is pray that we will share clearly. So one of our greatest fears when it comes to sharing is that we don't know what to do, we don't know what to say. Any of you watch like Looney Tunes back in the day? Remember El- Elmer Fudd? One of my favorite characters, right? Because he gets tiny, he's that. That's how we think. People will hear us. Are you a Christian? Yes. And we have this just this, this like 
We don't want to be that person. Now, some of us, and if I could be frank with you, some of us is we think too highly of ourselves. We don't want to look stupid. Actually, that is okay sometimes. You don't do that on purpose. But it's okay to actually think like, oh, wow, I have to identify with Christ, and this may change the person's perception of me. Well, it should. Your goal in your relationship is it should be to always identify with Christ early. You don't want to bring it up after they've known you for years, and you're like, wait, you're a Christian? And Lord willing, they're not surprised. <laughs> right? So some of it is, as you identify, your talk, your, your walk, your life should match that. So one of the things you want to do is just pray that you can identify with Christ early. Put your flag in the ground. I'm a follower of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't let the fear of what people think of you turn you to run away from that. It's a privilege to be a follower of Jesus. It's changed our lives. It's given you hope. But we have to, we have to put our, like, we have to identify. We have to, we stand with him. That's, that's important. But Paul says, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. I love that. There's just this understanding that I'm declaring the mystery of Christ. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm supposed to make it clear. Like, this is a normal part of the Christian life, which is how I ought to speak. I identify with Jesus on a regular basis. I share the difference he's made in my life on a regular basis. This is the rhythm of life. It's not compartmental. I talk about church with church people on a Sunday, and then I talk about work with work people at work. It's like, no, it, it's, my, my life is integrated. Jesus, I'm following him in each aspect. And so these prayers are like, God, will you provide an opportunity? God, will you not help me be scared when the opportunity comes? And then God, when I open my mouth, may the words I speak make sense. May I not be Elmer Fudd. Will I not mess it up? And here's the, the encouragement. Most of the time, if you share from who Jesus, what he's done in your life, it will be meaningful. Just be who you are. You don't have to share like I would share. I don't have to share like you would share. Share out of the difference Jesus made in your life. We have a, a training that I want to invite you to, speaking of this. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of the tools, but there's, there's so many things that uh, you can have just to help you in this area. And so if this is overwhelming and you're hearing like all your, now all your thing is like, I am Elmer Fudd, I am Elmer Fudd. You're not. You're a follower of Jesus that God wants to use. But you do have to grow in this area like we all do. That's why it builds momentum. And so there's tools that we have. Uh, here, here's a website that we've created for you and it's ridgeviewchurch.com slash invest invite. And this has tools. You could see, like, how do I pray? We've just talked about that a little bit. You click on that. It's got specific prayers that you could pray based on Scripture. How do I share my story? That is the idea of witness, like my, my testimony. How do I share the differences made in my, that God's made in my life? What does that look like? Did you know you could share your faith in 90 seconds if you learn how? Do you have 90 seconds to spare with somebody? And it's not forced because you're praying that God opens the opportunity. But, you, you know, there's learning. And so this page is full of this. If you can go to the next screen, there's a QR code. Uh, you can scan this, too, and you can just kind of bookmark it. But there's tons of tools, ways to share the gospel, ways to share your testimony, how to pray, uh, all sorts of tools for you. And so if you scan that, that will take you to that web page. Use this as a resource. But I want to invite you to a training specifically on March 3rd. And we're calling the Invest and Invite Training. And so if you sense, like, I want to be one of these 50 that step up to try to invest and invite in at least one person, 
I want you to come to that training on March 3rd because that training will give you practical tools and insights. And we're gonna just pray that God will do a movement through our church to reach people. And so at that training, we'll get into so many resources that will be a help to you. So you can leave there like, okay, I've got my tool bag and I've got the tools and I know how to invest and invite. And there's nothing special. It's actually you have what you need. You have the power of God and he moves before you. But these uh, witnessing and sharing your faith always begins with prayer for opportunities, to buy up the opportunities, and then to share clearly. So that's the first. The second aspect of investing and inviting, like I said, is, is to engage. Now, when I say the word engage, it can feel a little robotic. I will engage this person for Jesus. There is an opportunity I have, right? Like engage, it's like, oh, wow, that's, I don't know, that feels a little forced, that doesn't feel, well, engage is actually the opposite. It's relational, Like, I'm going to, again, be a part of this intersection of my life with the lives of others that God has placed. And each one of you have different intersections that are different than each other. There's different people that God's placed in your life. And so the engagement is like, God has placed me in this moment at my job, in my neighborhood, with my family, and with my friends to make a difference. And how do I engage? And that's part of how do I buy up those, those opportunities. And Paul gives us some specifics on this as well. And the first is this, is we are supposed to be wise as we interact with non-Christians. So this is helpful as you think of the fears that you have. Part of it is, is be yourself, be who you are, and, and just learn how to share naturally. That's part of that, that wisdom. And when Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, He's thinking, be mindful of how you interact with people who aren't Christians. That's actually something we do here at church. That's something I do in a sermon. When I'm preaching, I'm keeping in mind outsiders in my preaching. How am I using words that will make sense to people who've never heard of the Bible before? How can I preach in a way that will give people understanding so they can begin to get in the Bible for themselves? That's part of how we walk in wisdom. That's why we have name tags. It's walking in wisdom. We're aware that there could be outsiders And we want them to be able to make sense out of what we're doing. But specifically in sharing our faith, it's learning skill. This kind of wisdom here is skillful wisdom, not just in a general sense of learning and knowledge, but that I'll understand how to share. Walk in wisdom. It's like learn the skill of interacting. And so a practical tool, we'll we'll have this at the the training, but a practical is, is to start, if you're looking at interacting and you want to just engage, the first thing is like learning how to talk to people. Now, how many of you would say like, I'm really awkward talking with people. Like I'm just awkward with people. I'm, I'm just awkward. And you're raising your hand awkwardly. You're not even wanting to do it, right? Like, but it, you think of relationships and sometimes it's like, it is awkward. It's like, I, I don't know what, people are like, how are you? Good, how are you? And you feel like, good, how are you? Good, we've said that 17 times. It's kind of weird. What do we do next? And so here, here's a practice. Start with four. Family background. Just If you don't know where to start, ask people about their family. You know, most people will want to actually talk about themselves. They do. Give them a chance. Listen. People don't listen to each other. People don't talk with each other. But just, hey, tell me a little about your family. That's a good place to start. Another is just occupation. What do they do? Now, if you work with them, you might know, right? Uh, upbringing, where'd they grow up? I love, I, I've asked these questions to most of you here. 
I just, I want to get to know you. But it's not like, I've asked about your family. What's your occupation? Right? Again, it's not, not ro- robotic. Sorry for the accents today. I don't know where these are coming from. But, <laughs> but you want to you start here. Now, now, notice this gets to religious background. So you're, you're bridging to how, how can I actually learn about them in some real things? And at the training, we'll get through questions that you can ask in this area too. How do you get to the place where you could share about what God has done in your life? How could you share about what the Bible says is necessary to become a Christian? It flows from these. So it's conversations. Now, part of the skill is you don't ask all four in one conversation. In Southern California, that's like pretty obtrusive. People are like, whoa, is this like an interrogation? But it may be just you ask about their family, and then for a few weeks, you don't learn anything else. But do you want to begin like, okay, how, how do I can get to know? So the four, just family, occupation, upbringing, religious background. That, that's part of that skill uh, to grow in. So be wise as you interact. The second is buy up the opportunities God provides. Now you can see this is connected to the prayer. And part of how you engage is like you see the opportunity that God's brought, and then you buy it up. That means you walk through the door that he's opened. This is that, that face step. And Paul here says that that's how you make the best use of the time. That word time uh, comes from the Greek word kairos. It's not chronological time. We have seconds, we have minutes, we have hours, we have days, we have months, we have years. It's very chronological. We come on a Sunday, the pastor wraps up his sermon at a certain time. And we never know when that is. (laughs) But there's a time that we're looking at. It's 1126. Time, time, tick, 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 tick. This area that we're talking about, the spiritual life, this is not talking about minutes and seconds and hours. This word is not chronos, which is chronological. It's kairos, which is opportunity. In the minutes, in the seconds, in the hours, in the month, God does something. And as he does something, there's a kairos. You make the most of that time. You can buy up him working in the lives of people. That's the time that we're supposed to make the most. So it's, as we're praying for God to work, we see him work, and now we respond. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. You've provided a time, this movement of your presence and your, your power. Recently, we had a neighbor that we were wanting to invite to our Christmas Eve service. And she's an elderly gal, and she walks our neighborhood every day. And she stops in front of our house, and we talk and interact. And I just got the sense, like, I want to invite her to Christmas Eve. And she would always come, and we would talk and interact, and we, like, built this relationship. And I never had the Christmas Eve flyer with me, and I wanted to give her that. And I just thought, well, I don't, I don't have it. And then it was inside the house, but I'm talking with her outside. And I just kept thinking, like, there's all these times and these interactions, and God's working. And, and then... One of the days recently, like she was walking and one of our neighbor's dogs bit her leg. And so my neighbor and us were helping her and help her get bandaged up. And so we were like forming like this further, like we had an opportunity to care for her. And then time passed on and she, keep, she keeps walking. And, and finally, like we've been praying as a family, like we want to invite Jean to come to Christmas Eve service. And one, one day my, my daughter came home and was like, Jean just walked past and I just sense God's like, now is the time, the kairos. <laughs> now, what I didn't know about Jean is Jean walks fast. <laughs> so Jean's walking, and she's in the distance. I'm like, Jean, 
She doesn't hear. Gene! She's just got her stick and she's just going. And so I start, I'm like, I start in a little jog. And I'm like, this is, and I got my flyer and it's flapping in the wind. And, and then I'm thinking, well, I'm gonna like totally roll up on her, scare her. And I, you know, all of these things like, what am I doing? Like, this is so terrible. Like, but I just sense God said, now is the time. Finally, I caught up and Jean, you walk fast, Jean. That was the first thing I said. You walk fast, Jean. And I invited her. I said, Jean, I've been meaning to invite you to Christmas Eve, and I've just never had a flyer, and I just want to invite you, and, and here it is. And you know what? Jean came on Christmas Eve. It was a beautiful thing. Thank you. It was worth my run, right? <laughs> but the reason I say this is, like, that's, that's what I'm talking about, an opportunity. And when God says go, you go. And if you run, and you have to run, you run. And what's crazy is I've not had nearly the interaction since. It's just the nature of it. It's like there's an opportunity, and so I'm just praying that we can continue to, to love and serve Gene. But these opportunities, they're, they're here, and you want to buy them up, and you never know how long they're here for. And it's the same with just people and your interactions with them. You want to make the most of it. I was talking to somebody after church today who God brought somebody to their mind who's a dear, dear friend that they've known for years who's struggling with cancer doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. The cancer started in their liver, spread, or started in, I think their colon spread to their liver and in the hospital. This person thought, like, God just put them on my mind. This is an opportunity I have to share with them. That's the kairos. They've been friends for years and years and years, and that's what God does. He just, he intersects us with people that need to hear about Jesus. That's what we're talking about. And then finally, as we buy up these opportunities, the kairos that God brings, we're supposed to communicate clearly. Again, that's the prayer. God, help me to communicate clearly. And then the answer is to do it. That's how you engage. God, help me to buy the opportunities that you, you bring. And then the, the engagement is, I'll buy that opportunity up. So see how the prayer and the engagement, our role, what God does, when God does it, we do it. We follow him. When he responds, we respond. That's the Christian life. And Paul says here, let your speech always be gracious, gracious, seasoned with salt, so you, you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, I want to just talk a little bit about some myths of sharing your faith. Notice here it says, let your, what's the third word there? Speech. There's a part of Christianity which people think, like, people can just watch me. Now, your walk, how you live, should match what you say. But people cannot watch your life and know Jesus died for them. Do you know that? They can't just intuit that they can be saved because of what Christ did on the cross. They can't see that in the way you live. They can't necessarily know that they're a sinner and they can confess their sin and be forgiven. They don't know that by your actions. So Paul's saying, let your speech you have to proclaim, declare the mystery of Christ. So Christianity, you cannot grow in sharing your faith without actually sharing it. You share it in your life, how you live, but your words are specific with the gospel. You can't just understand God's plan for redemption by just looking at creation. You can know he exists, but somebody has to tell you. And it's been told to us through God's word, and so we're just the conduit for sharing that. And Paul says there's two key ways to do it. The first is we should share graciously. We interact with kindness and love. So one of the key ways we engage is we engage with people made in the image of God that have deep value, 
and God loves them and wants to spend eternity with them, but because of their sin, they're cut off from a relationship with him. And if they don't turn away from their sin, they're gonna spend eternity separated from God in hell. So out of kindness and love, we must share because of what's at stake. And this is speaking of that reality, but plus just in the way that we interact, we wanna be mindful. We wanna be gracious. See where they're coming from, what they're dealing with. Understand who they are. Meet them where they are. Answer the questions that they have. Be with them in their doubt. Come to the edge of what they're seeing. That's the grace. But it's not just grace. It's also being seasoned with salt. And that's to speak truth that makes people want to hear more. So just like we have to share, they can't just look at our actions. We also can't just be loving and not share the truth. There's a point of which people need to know that the debt of their sin is real. And the payment of that sin is death. They need to know that. But they also need to know that that penalty has been paid by Jesus who loves them. And so you tell people the truth in this atmosphere of love. So in our culture today, it's like if you love people, there's, there's no truth. It's like any, you live your own truth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You don't live your own truth. And it's okay. Everyone lives their own truth. But there's one truth that you must live by. And you have to turn to Christ and you have to be forgiven of your sin and then you can be saved. And so both, both are needed in our culture. Um, I'm not gonna read this, but in Ephesians 4, 14 through 15, Paul Spock talks about speaking the truth in love. Same, same author, different book to a different church. But that's that grace and salt. The love is the grace and truth is the salt. Both, both are needed. Now, notice it's seasoned with salt. So the idea of like sharing truth with people is like you don't just want to drop truth bombs that leave people hopeless. That's taking the cap off the salt and smothering it. You ever put too much salt on something? It's terrible. You're drinking water for days. It's awful. Sometimes we could be like that. Well, they need the truth. You're just taking the salt. You know, and nobody wants that. Seasoned, though, the sprinkling of it. There's truth here, but I want you to want to know more. I want you to know just a little bit so that we can have another conversation. I want this engagement to continue. God is the one that changes people from the inside. He's moving in their hearts. So to invest and invite means I'm praying and I'm allowing God to do the heavy lifting. But since he's God and he's almighty, I know that he will do it. And so while I'm praying, I'm engaging, and I'm seeing the opportunities that he brings, and I respond in faith. I believe if we do this as a church, and we take this seriously, and we believe that God is a supernatural God that's placed us right where he wants us to interact with people, I think we could see many lives changed. I could see our own faith grow as we take the courage and say, I don't care how people see me. I identify with you. As your loyalty grows in Christ, you will grow. I believe our church can be changed by this commitment. I think if we take God seriously and we pray these things, we can become different people. And as we become different people, others will become different because of what we share. I believe God could do this work in our church. 
The question is, do you want to be a part of it? I want to encourage you to really consider how you can make a difference in the world that God's placed you in. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for all of us in here that have experienced the invitations of people in our life that have made a difference from turning to follow you to experiencing just hope in the middle of darkness for the invitations when people have given us just to consider Christ and his mercy and how you've met all of us in dire situations and helped us in the middle of it. So God, I just pray that you'll continue that work through us that we can be ambassadors of your light and your hope to this dying world. God, I pray for all of the non-Christian family members that we have. I pray for the non-Christian friends and coworkers and neighbors, people in need of hope. Lord, will you provide opportunities for us to share with them the difference that you make? God, will you give us courage? God, will you grow our faith that we're willing to stand with you even if we are rejected. And God, I pray in Fontana and Rancho and San Bernardino and our cities all around the Inland Empire that we could see a movement of people sharing their faith with others and through that many will be saved. God, we do this not for our own purposes to build our own church or our own kingdom, but we do this to extend your kingdom to this dying world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.